Future trading involves risk and is not suitable for all investors. Content provided in this segment is meant for educational purposes and is not a solicitation to buy or sell commodities. Hello and welcome to another edition of The Grain Feed, brought to you by EverAg. This is your weekly news feed for all things grain and all things feed. Each week, we bring you updates on the markets with unique perspectives, an amazing team of analysts with the intention of helping dairy and livestock producers manage their risk. I'm your host, Jim Matthews, reporting from the Chicago office on a lovely spring morning. Joining me today, as always, from Texas, Director of Feed Procurement, Mr. Jake Kingsley, and returning to the grain feed, also from Texas, livestock broker and agent, Mr. Michael Todd Rowan. Team, how are we today? Doing all right this morning, Jim. Doing well, Jim. Doing well. Excellent. Uh, actually, we already have an edit to make. Jake, you are not filming in Texas. You're filming in Kansas? We're in Kansas, yep. Ran up 35 yesterday. So taking a look at the uh, wheat crop and there's some corn been put in the ground around here. So we'll get a little firsthand look at how things are going. Excellent. Good deal. And then, Michael, you are in West Texas. Yes, sir. So do you view that as being in the same state as the Dallas-Fort Worth area? <laughs> it, uh, it we, we pride ourselves that it's all the same state, yes, but uh, we are on uh, some different weather patterns here and uh, maybe a little different uh, planting perspectives as well. Gotcha. Okay. I didn't know if it was like a Chicago versus the rest of Illinois uh, sort of situation. So I just wanted to check in on you guys. Um, before we start Only diving here in Dallas. Only <laughs> here in Dallas. Okay, gotcha. Okay. Um, all right. Before we dive into the analysis from these two gentlemen today, Paige, if you would kindly timestamp the broadcast, it is Thursday morning and just checking my quote board here, but we appear to be on a back to back pullback for the grain and feed markets. We've had corn. Uh, on a two-day drawback from what appears to have been recent highs. And we're taking December futures from a 570 run on corn back down into that 555 trading level at the moment as we film. So we're always watching for that 550 support level on Dees Corn. And meal is also on a nice pullback here. We've taken made back down below 450 as we record and December is trying to get down to 410 but appears to be still supported by that 415 ish uh, type of level so keeping an eye on the grain and feed markets this morning that being said michael we've pulled you on here in your livestock role and we're hoping for your expertise on what has been a pretty wild ride i think in the cattle markets so, Michael, what's your take on those markets here this morning? Very, very true, Jim. But well, first, thank you, thank you for having me on. I always love, I always love being on the grain feed. Uh, it is, it is very much a pleasure. But uh, wild ride is absolutely the case. We have strong cash prices everywhere you look: feeder cattle, live cattle, cutout, retail. Uh, we we have a lot of strength in the cattle complex, the cattle economy, if you will, right now. Last week, we saw the seven-day average for the CME feeder cattle index. That's our, our main cash indicator for feeder cattle. Uh, we saw that jump six bucks twice. Jump six bucks from Wednesday to Thursday, and then another six bucks, uh, about, about $5.95 from Thursday to Friday. That, that's a big jump, uh, especially to go for, for a seven-day average to move six bucks two days in a row. That's big. 
cash prices for live cattle are trading at record highs, meaning cattle have sold at these record highs. Uh, we've got 175 to 177 last week in the south. We had 186 trade in the north. That is just, from a cattle perspective, that is just simply outstanding. Um, futures have been rising with cash as well. Feeder cattle have come close to their all-time highs, but have pulled back. Uh, live cattle traded at life of contract highs. This week, we saw a bit of a pullback yesterday. We're in a little bit of a mixed market today. That pullback shook some cash cattle loose this week around the same prices, maybe not as high in the north, but still, still on that 180 mark. Moving to the cutout, the cutout value remains strong. That means the packers are willing to pay for these live cattle. And it just kind of moves back the supply chain there. We've got choice up above 300 at 305. Uh, we've got select not too far behind it at 291. Historically, that's a very narrow spread on the cutout side. Moving to the demand side, we're simply seeing a consumer that is willing to spend. Um, at the end of the day, that's, that's what's driving this market. We're moving into peak demand season for beef. Uh, we, we had one holiday already with Easter. We're, we're moving into the rest of the summer holidays with Mother's Day, Memorial Day, Father's Day, and then cap it off with July 4th. Uh, it's, I mean, we, we just have, we have really strong demand moving into a strong demand season. As the saying goes, nothing lasts forever. Uh, right now, it is really, really, really hard uh, to urge producers to protect the bottom side when that bottom side seems to be taking care of itself because prices, especially on the cash side, are just simply moving higher. And obviously cash, cash is why we're in business. With that being said, we've set it on pasture to pin. We've written about it on prime cuts. Replacement inventory is just simply going to be expensive. If you are a feed yard operator trying to buy in feeder cattle right now, Again, it, we've we've touched all time highs and have pulled back, but we're we're up close to all time highs. I mean, this feeder cattle market is just simply elevated, so it's easier to urge producers to hedge for cattle coming in. That's a pretty easy conversation to have. None of us know the future. These these prices look good, but if you're a producer that has a very very good profit margin right now, it may be worth it to start layering in that bottom side to get that profit margin locked in. Any recessionary pullback is going to rattle this cattle market. We saw it with the banking stress in March. We saw it with the OPEC cuts uh, when OPEC chose to, to cut production a few weeks ago now. So we, we don't know what's coming. We never know when it's coming, but if I'm a producer with a strong profit margin, I, I am for sure going to be hedging cattle coming in. And I may even start to look at locking in that that profit margin as I as I sell cattle at the feed yard. Excellent. Thanks for that, Michael. Yeah, the name of the game, manage that risk. And if you know you have those profit margins, always a good move to step in and try and manage that risk to secure those if and or when you can. One other note, Michael, there's an expression I've heard you use and a lot of other colleagues use the the old corn up, cattle down uh, phrase in the industry. And you know, over the recent weeks, but of course also months and and beyond that, we've had corn relatively elevated, especially on a very strong stretch up until a couple of days ago, but also cattle elevated too. So can you just touch on quickly what that correlation or what should not be a correlation has affected folks with? 
Right, right. We are we are seeing those two commodities run in tandem, which is very, very rare. I would say these feeder cattle are are moving contra seasonally. So seasonally, as we get into these spring months, in theory, there's more feeder cattle available, especially with corn being up, your feed yards are going to be less willing to pay higher prices for said feeder cattle. However, we are having supply issues. We we have nailed supply on the cattle side. They're just, they're just simply not there. We may be seeing some heifers being pulled out to go to grass as other areas of the country have seen some, some timely rain, but the feeder cattle aren't, aren't there. And with seeing record, record high numbers on the live cattle cash side, they're likely more willing to pay up for corn because they're getting a profit on the back end with these high live cattle cash prices. Gotcha. Yeah. And with the corn markets, the way they've been, there's not been much to do other than to potentially ride this cycle out. And again, by managing risk against your feed and input costs. And then we'll use that to transition to you, Jake, then and and speak towards some of these feed costs. And you were on the road a bit this week. You were at a few dairies uh, in Texas. So would you mind kind of reflecting back on some conversations this week and your take on the corn and feed markets? Yep. Uh, So we went east of Dallas-Fort Worth into the Sulphur Springs market on Tuesday, and then Wednesday down southwest of town to the Stephenville-Comanche market, all what you would call central or maybe east Texas dairy sheds there. And they're seeing a lot of what the Plains states and, and Michael Todd's area are seeing drier than we would like to be. These guys are pretty heavy into chopping ryegrass for silage or even taking off some of their wheat for wheatlage right now. And largely yields have been average or below average. Nothing really exciting and and better than average in a lot of these places, even east of Dallas-Fort Worth where they caught a little more moisture. Um, They weren't in bad shape there, but still just maybe hitting average. So they're pretty concerned now looking at this corn crop and how this is going to shape up and, and rightfully so. I mean, up and down I-35 is dry, as we know. Kansas and Nebraska are still in some of the worst drought conditions on the drought monitor here, much as they were last year as far as grain production area goes. And so with that, now we're starting to really focus on new crop basis. I think old crop basis bottomed out and probably your opportunity there is to come in and buy the dips in the market like we've had here in these last couple of days. But then when you start to look at new crop, it's hard to come in and lock in this 550 futures number for the next 12 months. So utilize some options or something to manage your upside risk and still be open to some downside opportunity if the the rest of the grain belt puts something nice together. But for everybody in the Plain States and on West, California, Arizona, the PNW, all those guys, all eyes on Kansas and Nebraska weather right now. We've got corn in the ground in central Kansas Uh, There's corn going into the ground in several different parts of the Midwest. And if we stay as dry as we have been for the next three to six weeks, it starts to feel like we repeat the same cycle we had last year with just a very lackluster crop in the region that supplies all of the rail corn to the West. Right now we have some basis numbers that are on average 30 cents lower than they had been for most of this last crop year. Get something about 30 cents cheaper for this coming crop year. And if we stay dry, that may be the best number we can get a hold of. Now we do have some time to be patient. 
I think there is some downside if we start to catch some some rains in the right areas at the right times. I think there is downside, but I guess the point is we need to be pretty vigilant here over the next few weeks as to how this thing starts to shape up. Balance sheets, as we know, are relatively thin. China continues to come in and buy corn at the uh, 6.30 May futures mark in the 5.50 December area. They continue to come in and buy some corn there. Um, I think protein sales have been on pace with or maybe a little bit even ahead of USDA expectations. So every time they come in and buy on these dips, I think that we always say, you know, believe what China does, not what they say. And, and, and they're buying here in these zones that I think are probably good opportunities, if not to own some old crop stuff certainly manage some risk on your new crop. Good deal, Jake. Well, thank you for that. And it's the the planting conversation, of course, for this time of year is the top of mind uh, for everyone. We talked about it on last week's show. Uh, Shelby and Britt uh, spoke about it briefly on their podcast this week. I joined the Parlor Two Plate podcast this week and touched on it there. So definitely the top of mind and what appears to have been more positive sentiments towards favorable planting in the Midwest. Uh, we've had you know pretty decent precip, uh, but with some nice drier stretches last week, did a great job getting some crop in the ground. Got a little bit of snow this week, so not too great early on, but again, maybe cooler weather, but still feels like folks can get out there. Whereas the areas you are discussing now, those sentiments are starting to shift back towards what felt like last year and those guys are really going to need some of the rains and precip we've been getting uh, probably in the next month or so. Or as you said, Jake, things could start to you know, tighten back up again. Um, also want to give credit where it is due, Jake. Last week we did bold predictions and you nailed both numbers on the head. You got the nationwide corn planting number spot on and the Texas corn planting number. Amazing work, Jake. Bravo. Thank you, Jim. What can I say? A broken clock's right twice a day, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I want to give you gents um, a break on the markets trivia, and we're going to touch on some brief Texas trivia before we sign off here today. Um, oh, boy. We're going to start things real easy. Uh, it's only a few questions. We'll go two easy ones. And then we'll get a little trickier to finish things off. Let's start with the Texas State motto. Michael, the Texas oh. State motto. Or the state's nickname. How about that? The state's nickname. The Lone Star State. There you go. The Lone Star State. Uh, Jake, how about the capital of Texas? Austin, Texas. Just to the south of us. I would have thought if Michael Todd had thought that there was a part of the state that wasn't like the rest, it's probably Austin more so than Dallas. That's fair. I, that's fair. As a northerner, I, I can attest that Austin is different uh, from the rest of the state. Now, let's okay. let's ramp things up a little bit. Um, Michael, which European country is bigger than the state of Texas? Which European country is bigger than the state of Texas? That's right. We're ramping things up a bit here. Getting a little trickier. Getting a little trickier. France. Okay, France. Jake, which European country is bigger than Texas? Well, I guess this uh, really questions my geography knowledge. It, I would I would guess Ukraine, assuming Russia is not 
European, but if Russia is Europe, then Russia. Spanning two continents, we're not going to count Russia as Europe because it spans both Europe and Asia. This is actually a trick question. It's a trick question, gentlemen. There is no European country bigger than the state of Texas. That's how big Texas is. That's a very Texas answer. Okay. That's a Texas answer, right? I figured Uh Texas would like that. There's no one in Europe bigger than us. Nobody. A couple more questions here, then we'll let everybody go. Michael, there were two U.S. presidents born in the state of Texas. Who were they? Uh, Eisenhower and LBJ. Well done, sir. Very good. Very good. Excellent work. I would have guessed both of the Bushes. (laughs) No. Very little time in Texas for those guys. All right. So good Texas trivia today. Well done, gents. We appreciate the market insights as well as your Texas knowledge. Well done to both of you. A big thanks to you, Michael, for returning to the show. It is always great to have you and your insights. We'd like to thank Corey and the Everag Insights crew for their support. Thank you to Paige for production magic. And thank you to the viewers for watching the grain feed. Contact information is on the screen. We greatly appreciate your feedback. That's all for today. See you next time on the grain feed.